years. And what I always was missing was a part of discussion because it was so good to talk to someone with the important things. But today we have a chance to talk to different people about the important things that, that make sense and also to get your feedback and questions. Uh, so I'm happy to present our uh, three guests uh, today. Uh, we have uh, Maria Kalep from uh, Mindshare. Hello, Maria. Hi. We have Artem Dalinians from Lumolink from Finland. Hello. And we have Alar Ulem from Guest Joy. Hello, Alar. Hi. Brilliant. And I'm Anu Malaritz from the Institute of Marketing, as, uh, as I used to be already for the last 10 years and more. And today I'm happy to start our discussion about um, uh, the ways how to launch uh, new products digitally. And the first thing to open up the topic, I would uh, um, start to ask uh, from a question that um, um, Maria, what do you think, what is the biggest opportunity of the digital launch compared to non-digital or offline launch? Uh, I think uh, regarding digital, you can be more segmented and more personalized regarding your audience. And also your actions can be data-driven compared to offline. Um, if you today would launch a, launch a product, could you just manage having digital approach or is there always some kind of off, offline approach needed? Artem, what do you, what do you think? Uh, well, it depends on the industry. It depends uh, very much so on the product itself. For example, if you're launching a product that is purely software, for example, you can totally be fine with just doing digital launch. But uh, again, when it comes to bigger companies, consumer goods, multinationals, there is always an offline element. And if you, if you even launch a software product, then you could actually gain advantage by launching offline as well, because you, know, you could go to the places where there is less competition. So for example, if everybody you know, who are competing with software vendors, for example, if they're all online, then by creating an offline strategy, you can actually separate yourself from the crowd. So for me, I think um, uh, you should use digital and offline you know, where it makes sense. For example, if now we're reading less and less newspapers and we're receiving less and less spam in our mailboxes, physical mailboxes, but at some point I believe digital will be a norm and doing offline will be that, wow, cool, awesome, something new, something different, a physical pen I can hold in my hand. So I think, um, yeah, you know, both uh, have their own place, but it very much depends on your budget, your industry, competition, your product, yeah. I would um, like to add as well that, uh, for example, offline is helping to build the trust for the brand and all, also the awareness, because I have experienced that new service or e-shop is coming uh, to market and they are very like performance oriented and sales oriented. And if they are not, uh, using offline media there were sometimes people are thinking is this e-shop trustful 
So in that case, I think offline media building the trust, and in that case, it's really needed. Alar, you have uh, you have a business that is uh, digital only. Am I right? Yes. You are digital only. From digital <clears throat> only business, what do you think about offline? Does it seem really from the last century, or do you find some good points there as well? Definitely not. Uh, I think it's uh, for me or like when we started gesture, the biggest learning point of uh, like marketing has been that even though we do digital business you really need to understand your customer and who who they are and why they like to buy and consume information. So even though we have a digital business and we sell to hotels, it's uh, understanding where they usually go uh, hang out and where they get the information about future products and where do they make buying decision, decisions. So that is why for offline uh, marketing, um, for us, fairs and events and even from uh, newspapers are really a thing because in that industry, it is still being used, even though the service itself is digital. But this is where you create awareness and uh, of your product. Uh, so eventually the buying... Uh, the Let's continue if you don't have any, any special question um, uh, about what are the main uh, opportunities, what we have from digital launching and why any company launching a new product or service should consider digital and from what angle? Maria, would you open it? Uh, if we talk digitally, then as I uh, mentioned before, digital uh, um, solutions give us the opportunity to understand our uh, consumers much better. And also it gives you the action results ad hoc because uh, uh, if we look at offline or other solutions then it usually takes some time. Also if we look at uh, statistics we see that most of the people are digitally active so and uh, digital channels uh, help uh, to reach the people on the way they are moving or on the right time. So in that case, I think digital is very good. Can you bring a good example? Uh, hmm. For example, uh, mobile uh, uh, geo-targeting, because if you are, for example, close to some kind of uh, uh, super malls and you get the, the promotion, you are more keen to go, go to the shop than you maybe see something uh, in your sitting, in your couch, in the evening, in the TV. Very good. Artem, can you add an good example about the good digital launch and why digital? Why digital? You, you want you want to glorify the you know sugar-coated answer or do you want me to be really honest <laughs> i want you to be really honest and i want to bring i want you to bring a surprising angle to our discussion surprising well that's no pressure at all thank you very much for that <laughs> uh but okay if we're completely honest you know big companies do things in big ways you know they have certain processes and so forth um yeah small companies will have to innovate 
you know, no, you know, no wonder we have startups, you know, how many, you know, startups we have in Estonia alone, you know, just huge amount. 100? Yeah, but again, uh, if we, yeah, if we look into traditional businesses as well, who are doing things innovative, you know, in an innovative way, I'm sure we can even bump that, uh, you know, even higher. But again, um, in many cases, innovation comes from restriction. <laughs> And in some case, restriction is budget. <laughs> if we're just really honest about it, you know, um, I mean, I mean, if we ask any of us, you know, who is attending here and, you know, if we say, hey, would you want to do a huge offline campaign? Here's a million dollars. I don't think anybody will say that. No, no, no. Digital only, <laughs> very lean, very low key. I mean, uh, we innovate because we must not because we want to and because we don't have anything else to do and we're really pumped on the coffee. So um, one good example, uh, let's imagine that uh, you wanna, for example, uh, attend a huge event that happens offline. Let's imagine that there is a huge trade show, fashion trade show, for example, in Paris, and there is a huge like one or two kilometer area that is dedicated to you know this fashion show where all the vendors from all over the world are coming. And let's imagine that I'm a small Estonian company and I create really awesome products. And there are many companies like that. I would love to attend that show. I would love to be in that show, but maybe we don't have the budget. But what we can do, we can go to Facebook, Instagram advertising platforms, and we can use geo-targeting to target that area for these two days that the show is you know, happening so that when people open their devices, when they're at the trade show, you know, at the fashion show, they will see our advertisement. And that way we can like partially attend the event, but we can pay maybe 200 euros for the marketing and we can see if it really works. And we can establish a digital presence in an offline world. And people don't know, they, they don't know who is you know, attending and who is present we can kind of create, I wouldn't say fake, but we can create a feeling like, hey, we are also part of this event and we are also you know, together participating. So this is one example where constraint, which is budget, you know, forces us to go digital in otherwise offline you know, you know, environment. And I think in many cases, uh, cons uh, you know, constraints force us to innovate. So for example, search engine optimization and so forth, you know, it's very valuable, it's very good, but people don't do search engine optimization because, you know, they have an extra budget to spend. In most cases, they just see that search engine optimization brings high quality traffic for very low cost. So yeah, constraint and my example, you know, that I mentioned, we have actually done it for customers before. And in some cases it was really productive. Very good. Alar, bringing in, in a new angle about uh, digital launch, what we haven't heard before. Yeah, I think one of the good examples, uh, I mean, Artyom pointed out a very valid point that we don't have million dollars in our marketing budget, but let's say we do have, and one Finnish company like Volta did have. So what they did was they, when they came to Estonia, it is a digital company. But the launch they did was a hybrid launch. It was, a, you could see uh, the billboard ads on the street. And like Maria pointed out, it's about building trust, but you couldn't watch a YouTube video without seeing this annoying Volt ad. So it was a digital product with a hybrid launch with offline and online together. And I think everybody knows Volt now. 
Absolutely. Let's try to do so that uh, we have talked uh, about digital for about a quarter of an hour now. Uh, let's make a list about all the things what you consider to be digital. Let's try to see how long it's going to be. And our listeners, please feel free to add some things in the chat as well. Maria, name all the things that you think are good in digital. You mean uh, good solutions in digital? Or good channels. Or channels in digital. What does the digital cover in general? Because mostly people think that if you could talk about it, Digital, it's uh, probably homepage or social media. So these are probably the ah. most well-known terms. What else? Now we heard about uh, geo-targeting already twice. Uh, what else are in the universe? Uh, push uh, messages, uh, app marketing, uh, search engine marketing, search engine uh, optimization, uh, Dynamic ads, uh, display networks, um, uh, payment systems, also uh, UX, uh, also blogs, influencers, uh, let's hmm. stop now. <laughs> What do you want to add? What Maria didn't uh, didn't name in such a short notice? I would add two things because we work in B2B. It's definitely email marketing and content marketing, which is a big thing for us just to have it uh, like because the network is way smaller. Also banners. We didn't mention banners. <laughs> Brilliant. Artem. Um... I guess uh, the list is already pretty long. What I would say is that in digital, you could uh, you could uh, divide digital marketing in two categories. There is organic marketing and there is paid marketing. And if you think about organic, then for example, content marketing, search engine optimization, social media, um, you know, links from other websites, affiliate marketing, you know, that, well, affiliate marketing, I guess, would go into the paid field. But anyway, there are organic ways, you know, basically, where you exchange effort expelled for visibility, you know, and then there is paid advertising, where you actually pay in order to get visibility. And I think, uh, you know, my colleagues mentioned already so many different options, starting from search engine marketing to you know you know paid advertising in digital space such as banner ads and so forth. But what I would say, what I would add is, uh, usually, usually, if you are not worth talking about, you cannot get visibility organically. If you are not worth talking about, you go to paid advertising. So, um, I mean. You know, when, um, for example, when uh, OnePlus launched, you know, I have a, a very old OnePlus phone. When they launched, they created an invite only campaign where you couldn't get device even if you wanted to. You had to have an in invite. So um, they didn't need to, you know, go crazy with digital marketing. They didn't need to pay a lot. They created a system where people were talking about it. Oh, amazing phone, really cheap, amazing value. But hey, I don't have an invite. Do you know anybody who can give me an invite? So when companies are worth talking about, they, you know, they get a lot of visibility in organic 
channels. But when companies are very traditional, when you know they're not worth talking about, what they do is actually they exchange money, you know, in order to get visibility. And both options are absolutely viable. One is not better than another. They're just used in different ways. Um, Alar, I want to want to continue with you. How to get the digital mix right? It means that what type of digital things we heard such a long list and probably there are several more tools, but how to choose the right ones? I think it's um, it comes down to two things. The first thing is the understanding the persona that you're trying to sell, like uh, understanding the the actual person uh, in the target audience. I'm talking in the realm of B2B, like who, what are their problems? What are their desires? And how do they consume information? So if you know that this, this average person, I don't know, reads a newspaper or goes to the events or uh, consume information through newsletters, then you need to follow this approach because you, you're doing billboards ads, ads with B2B, it doesn't work very well. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, I think it comes down to experimentations because there's no golden formula. Like if you do these, uh, like that's the benefit of digital, that you can do these little experiments with low budget just to see, does it work? Does it resonate? Is the message right? And then you scale up. Like uh, I think those two components are critical. Give me a good example about how did you test in digital? I mean, the obvious one is creating different landing pages, like and where to a test non different. A non-obvious one. Ah, the non-obvious <laughs> one. <laughs> what we do is that we, um, like, as we sell to hotels, and we always debating should we invest more time money into. Okay, you want the digital example, but not an offline example. So, um, um, one of the things that. Uh, we did was for, for instance we had a big newsletter list that we sent out regularly uh, different content marketing articles and different things and we had an hypothesis that uh, if we send out a generic list to our all the potential customers and existing customers like it uh, it has one click rate and open rate but uh, we changed the system in a way that uh, now all the newsletter content is sent out uh, from sales team so they personally, whoever has dealt with a customer in the past, uh, they send it out automatically, of course, like no manual work. But then the email came from an actual person that they had previous contact. So the engagement rates were way higher. And also it, it kind of seems like we are helping them. I mean, we actually do, like we curate the content there. So they receive valuable content. So it's very slow marketing app. Like we don't expect immediate res uh, results, but it's not as anonymous as a generic newsletter. Mute, mute. Uh, Maria, give a good example about testing. I know that uh, having background in Tallinn give you much more freedom from the budget restri uh, restrictions uh, uh, what Artem pointed out previously. Uh, also, if you talk about testing, one is like digital testing, where you can test uh, different uh, visuals and messages. And in that case, you can also use uh, platforms opportunities. For example, Facebook can, uh, if you put there different visuals and different messages, then the algorithm will show the right 
uh, messages for the right people. But also you can test, for example, in out of home media, different visuals. And uh, also um, uh, for landing pages, there are like this neurological A-B testing. So where the people uh, focusing more and where different uh, like blocks should be to get the better understanding. Uh, Artem, can you add a good example about testing? And not the obvious, obvious one, yeah? Yes, um, I, I guess we're allergic to obvious examples in this webinar, <laughs> but okay. Um, so if you think about it, uh, one thing that people don't really test enough is pricing. Pricing is not obvious. Why? Because in many cases, businesses thinks like, uh, think like that, that we have to first understand what we're doing. We have to calculate, we create pricing, and then we go with that pricing, right? We try to attract as many customers as we can. In digital, for example, you can test the pricing. I will give you an example. Uh, we... Um, tested for example uh, just you know different landing pages and we had different pricing in each landing page right and then we draw traffic from paid sources to the landing page and then we saw how many people would subscribe you know using you know different price options and then you could actually calculate at some point you know you you could start low and then go higher or you could start you know really high and then go lower but at some point there is equilibrium and that equilibrium means that you have enough uh, purchases and subscriptions that it makes sense you know business wise you know and it's the maximum price you are able to get but still people are interested and willing to pay for it so yeah definitely i think testing pricing is really important and people don't do that enough it, and it's not obvious uh, especially b2b companies uh, they have allergy to displaying pricing on their website anyway so i think uh, I, I, in many cases it's please contact us to find out more you know and again being bold and being, you know, I have been once in a purchasing committee where uh, we were purchasing software for a large corporation. And I remember my colleague saying, if they don't have pricing on the web page, it's too expensive for us. Okay, let's move on and go to the next option. Um, so you could actually test if, for example, your competitors are not being transparent with pricing, you can actually test and be transparent with pricing, you know, and testing in general pricing, especially when it comes to business to consumer, much easier and makes a lot more sense. But yeah, testing pricing is very good. And also, if you think about it, uh, testing the product itself. So what I'm trying to say is that uh, now I'm um, involved in a business where sometimes what we actually do is we create a render of a product that we don't have. So basically a 3D rendering of a product and we don't have that product, but we have absolute understanding of, you know, how to create it. And we are able to create it if we have orders. So we put it out in the world and we see if people like this product enough to buy it. If they like it, we make it. If they don't like it, our designer had a lot of fun creating the product. So I think uh, even you can take um, you can take testing to a level where you're actually using testing to create the product, and not only to test the marketing. 
Oh, no, you are muted. Thanks. I think in digital environment, it's much easier than in physical environment to, to fake the products as true, but, but I think the idea is very good. But now, Alara, I'm going to you. Uh, we have covered many parts from the testing, but uh, from testing to the launch, so that the whole world should know about how good we are and actually what uh, is the best price point we found for them and what is the best solution. What's the crucial uh, in this step? Hmm. Still a big topic. It's um, like um, when you, um, I think, like once you get the customer acquisition right, like the marketing uh, right, and you are able to create interest in the market, you really also should not forget the, the actual purchasing step. Because if you can attract the customers to your homepage, uh, what happens next? Like they should, the message in there should be clear and should also be coherent with the actual ad because uh, quite often what might happen is that you have an ad that is very catchy, like the copy is very catchy, but they come to the landing page and it's not the same. So they expected something else and they just close. So you will end up having a very high hit rate, but very high bounce rate as well. So it also needs to be as a journey or a flow. So if you can get the customer, the potential customer on your homepage, the message there needs to be clear. And also there needs to be a clear way for them to either contact sales or actually do the purchase. The same question to you, Maria. Uh, from the testing to launch, what is crucial there? Uh, also, I, I would... Uh wanted to say the same thing that Alar said that uh, the like customer uh, journey should be seamless that uh, the message that they get outside and the uh, journey to the purchase should be working for example uh, for the payment you had to have like two click payment not like seven step to finish it. Also, if you are promoting, for example, two to one price, and then you go to the e-shop and you cannot do that. And also, for uh, to sometimes we see that, yes, we have a landing page, all is working, all marketing plan is also there, but there are no analytical uh, background to the page so you you are going live people are doing things but you don't know you don't see the results because for example google analytics are not implemented in the web page so i think uh, before starting the campaign your home should be like clean and ready I do absolutely agree. Artem, are there anything else uh, what Maria and Alar so far didn't mention about going from test to launch? Mm. Uh, I think uh, my colleagues mentioned a lot of a lot of important and crucial points that I would have mentioned myself as well. But if I would have to add something, I would say velocity. I would say velocity of your feedback loop. That's something that I would uh, pay attention to. So if you think about it in digital, in digital, there are no silver bullets. So in digital, 
as Alar mentioned, their target segment behaves in a different way compared to some other company. But what is in common, you know, and what is common amongst all of us is the feedback loop. So if we do digital marketing or, you know, in basically any kind of marketing, we have some sort of assumption. Then we have some sort of decision. Then we have action. Then we gather data and then we create new assumptions. And the quicker this loop, you know, goes, the quicker the velocity is, the faster usually we receive good results. So I will give you an example. If, for example, it's a small company, right? I'm sure many people who have startups or who have worked in startups, they had that, those meetings where they came up with idea. In the evening, designer already created, you know, like assets needed for that. And by the end of the day, they launched the marketing campaign. They came back the next day. They already saw a few, you know, of the key metrics. They understood, you know, what was wrong. They tweaked it a bit. They started new one. So the quicker you move, the quicker you will actually have result that you can scale. Because I think Alar mentioned really good point is that in the like pre-launch phase, you are trying different things. You're trying to find something that later you can scale because at some point you will find that, but you need to try many different things as quick as possible and as cheap as possible. And this velocity, the feedback, you know, the learning speed of our company, I think that is very important because in big companies, they do things slowly. So there is a meeting about a meeting so that we can have a meeting about marketing meeting. But in a startup company, we can come up with idea today and we can launch it today. And I think a lot of companies, they actually lose that as they grow. I want to, I, I, I don't know if I want to argue, but um, when, you have a very, when you have a very quick feedback, feedback loop, then my worry always is that, uh, do you have enough data to make good predictions. Because it might be that when you turn it very quickly and you can elaborate and say that instead of uh, watching, uh, looking for results for uh, 24 hours, maybe we could do it during one hour. But when you're very quick, you get very random data that statistically doesn't make really sense. How do you know the difference when I have enough data to make a move or when I should stop and wait for more? <laughs> 